Well, Charlie, where are we? I don't know, Doctor. It's too dark. What? I said it's too dark. I can't see a thing. Oh, you're right. It is very dark. Oh, how exciting. I do love the dark, don't you? <laughs> well, within reason. But I think you can have too much of a good thing. Oh, it all just enhances the mystery, the sheer anticipation of not yet having a clue where we are. You really haven't got a clue? The console isn't telling me anything at all, just a blank readout. Oh, that sounds ominous. No, not at all. I've been too methodical recently, I think, setting coordinates and things, actually deciding where we want to go. I've been getting far too safe and predictable these last few incarnations. Do you know, I once travelled for centuries without ever knowing where I'd materialise next. <laughs> yes, I can believe that. However, you were supposed to be getting me to Singapore, you know. 1930, remember? Yes, well, the TARDIS seems to be avoiding that precise location or time just now. We'll get there later, Charlie. I thought it was time we put a bit more mystery in our lives. Let the TARDIS take us where she wants, and let us revel in the giddy thrill of our ignorance. And she's brought us somewhere dark. Hmm. Mind you, it really is very dark, isn't it? Yes. Yes. We can't see a thing, can we? No. No. Quite how the TARDIS expects us to enjoy a good mystery when we can't see a thing is beyond me. Oh, hang on, I'll go and find some torches. Pretty sure I have them in a box somewhere. Try to investigate a little further, Charlie. Find out where we've landed this time. How do I do that? I can't even see my hand in front of my face. Sight is just one of your five senses. What did the others tell you? Well, I can't hear anything. No? Nothing at all. Well, even that might be a clue. We've landed somewhere silent. Not a very interesting clue, though. No, fair enough. How about smell? It's a bit musty. But I think I can smell fruit. Really? Yes. It is fruit. Oranges. Lemons. I can distinctly smell lemons. Silent and fruity. Sounds enchanting. There's one touch. Now, where's the other? And touch. Be careful, Charlie. Oh, there's a wall on my left and on my right. No, I can feel something. Another wall. Oh! Charlie! Charlie! Are you all right? Yes, I think so. Wait, wait, wait. Let me turn the torch on. Oh, I'm so sorry, Charlie. That was stupid of me. Oh, Charlie. What is it? Is that blood? I think so. But there's so much of it. How can there be so much of it? Don't move, Charlie. You may have severed an artery. Let me look. I don't feel anything, Doctor. No pain at all. Shock, I expect. Oh, if only it wasn't so dark. Oh. What is it? I think you can relax, Charlie. But the blood! Hmm. It's jam. Raspberry jam, if I'm not mistaken. Rather nice, in fact. <sighs> I must have knocked a jar of it onto the floor. Hmm. We're in a larder. And a fairly well-stocked larder, too. Why are they so well-stocked? Famine, maybe? Or just a public holiday? Nice, strong shelves. Now, a larder this size and of this quality would suggest a reasonably large house. The food isn't that expensive, so probably upper-middle class or lower-upper class. There's not much canned food, just the odd tin of cocoa and condensed milk. Oh, I love condensed milk. And what's this? Custard. Ugh. Good old custard, no less. Manufactured in Leeds, which, if I remember rightly, and I always do, was sold at its peak in the opening days of the 20th century. The quality of the cans and the amount of fresh food here would probably put us somewhere between the death of Queen Victoria and the beginning of the Great War. Show off. Or not. I mean, I'm only guessing. We could just leave the larder and take a look around. Yes, well, that might be simpler. Come on. 
Mind the jam. Peace on, God and singers reconcile. It's sinners, Edith, not singers. Oh, Mr. Shaughnessy. Mind you, with singing as bad as that, I'm sure God would find reconciling himself with sinners by far the lesser sacrifice. I'm sorry, sir, I didn't hear you come in. I should think you didn't, Edith, not with all that racket. What is it in aid of? I'm sorry, Mr. Shaughnessy. It's just, it's Christmas, isn't it? I always love a bit of Christmas, me. Whatever the reason, it hardly explains or excuses your caterwauling. No, I'm sorry, sir. I wouldn't be surprised if his lordship himself could hear it upstairs. We can be thankful at least that you weren't a saying silent night. The irony would have been too much to bear. Well, I only know Hark the Herald Angels sing, and I hum the bits where I don't know the words. I do understand your excitement at the approach of Yuletide, Edith, but look how your work is suffering. Quite how you expect to clean pots and pans in a scullery as dirty as this, I cannot fathom. Look at this table surface. Look at all that dust. Yes, sir. It is building up, sir. You could write your name in it. It's disgusting. Well, no, I couldn't. Don't contradict me, girl. I'm in no mood to tolerate contradicting and caterwauling all at the same time. But all I mean by it, sir, is that I couldn't write my name in the dust, seeing as how I can't write my name. But if I could write my name, sir, I agree with you. There's certainly enough dust to do it. Uh, yes, of course, Edith. Look. Look. There is your name. I've written it for you. Well, that's me, is it, sir? That's me in the dust? Yes. And what's your name like, sir? Or oh, do show me. What a wonder it is to be educated. No, 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 never you mind about my name, Edith. You look to your work. Now, I want these pots scrubbed and that dust cleaned. And I want it done quietly. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. What is it I always tell you, Edith? Um, what are the exact words? I'm nothing, sir. I'm nobody. That's it. Good girl. Carry on. It's a scullery. It seems you're right. We're in an Edwardian house. Or sometime afterwards. No, I don't think so. If I point the torch over there, do you see? It's an old washboard. The scullery made in the house I grew up in was used to equipment a little more advanced than that. Or maybe the people who live in this house are simply poorer than your family. Not judging by the size of this room. This is a far larger scullery than the one I'm used to. Hmm. Do you see anything else which distinguishes this scullery from the one in your house in 1930? Well, no. But then I didn't spend much time there. It was just the scullery, after all. It's not exactly proof, but I think saying we're in the Edwardian era is a good working theory. 1901 to 1910. The latter years, if the contents of the larder are any indication. Look, there are candles over there. We'd better use those instead. Here. That's better. You light the other one whilst I put these torches back in the TARDIS. There's no need to be more anachronistic than is strictly necessary. <laughs> Whereas, of course, the presence of a police telephone box in the larder won't give any cause for comment at all. No, well, we'll just have to hope nobody wants any raspberry jam. I'll be back in a moment. All right. Whoever this scullery maid is, she's not very good at her job. These plates have been left dirty. But these ones are clean. She's left the job half done found anything interesting? Oh, well, if my father had employed a maid like this, he'd have sacked her on the spot, leaving the plates soaking in cold water. And is the water cold? Well, I'd assume so. It's dark and there's no one here. Oh, that's odd. It's still hot. Perhaps she meant to return in a few minutes. Then why is it so dark here? And where is she? Edith Thompson. 
What? Here, look. A name written in the dust. Our missing maid, perhaps. We used to have an Edith working for us, too. Charlie Pollard. There. I've written my name beside it. Doctor! What is it? The dust! It, it spread back over my name. Look, it's gone. Yes. That is odd. But Edith's name is left intact. Doctor, I can't wipe it away. It's as if it's frozen there. It must be some sort of trick. Curiouser and curiouser. Because you remember that jar of raspberry jam you spilled in the larder. What about it? Well, when I returned to the TARDIS, I saw it sitting back on the shelf. Just a moment. I spilled some on my dress. No, that's gone too. Oh, Doctor, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't, does it? Come on, let's see if we can find anyone to explain what's going on. I trust all will be ready for tomorrow, Mrs. Baddeley. Oh, yes, Mr. Shaughnessy. I assure you there'll be a veritable Christmas feast. Such a big turkey this year. You wouldn't believe the size of it, Mr. Shaughnessy. It took all my strength and dexterity just to cram all its feet onto the plate at the same time. Oh, indeed. Just as I squeezed one of its legs into place, blow me if another leg didn't pop out the other side. It's a veritable monster, Mr. Shaughnessy. And I've made them one of my famous plum puddings, too. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without one of my plum puddings. Sounds like a meal Mrs. Beaton herself will be proud of. Oh, begging your pardon, Mr. Shaughnessy, but Mrs. Beaton can go hang. Begging your pardon, Mr. Shaughnessy, her plum puddings are nothing to mine. They've been passed down the Baddeleys for generations. It's a secret recipe. I have no doubt, Mrs. Baddeley, that you will do your best to surpass yourself. I keep trying to surpass myself, Mr. Shaughnessy. I really do. If only I were given a little help. Edith, Edith, get in here. Well, you're no good to me in the scullery. I want you in the kitchen. Hurry up. I'm washing the pots, Mrs. Baddeley, and then I'm dusting the room, just as Mr. Shaughnessy said, didn't you, Mr. Shaughnessy? Don't answer me back, girl. Don't answer back, Mrs. Baddeley, Edith. No, sir. Sorry, sir. You do as I tell you. Well, what's the good of you, I should like to know? Yes, Mrs. Baddeley, sorry. Do as Mrs. Baddeley instructs you, Edith. And then you may return to the pots and dusting. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. The plum pudding will be ready now. Take it off the stove for me. I'm too busy chopping vegetables. Careful! Oh, it's hot! Well, of course it's hot, you stupid girl. It's been steaming these past six hours. Put it down here. Oh, she's an idiot, Mr Shaughnessy. A veritable idiot. Indeed. Oh, your plum pudding, Mrs Baddeley, has a wonderful scent. Thank you, Mr Shaughnessy. I love the smell of warm plum pudding. Will we eat this on Christmas Day? Don't you go tasting it, Edith. I wasn't going to taste it. This is going upstairs, Edith. Our plum pudding is sitting over there. Oh, it's a lot smaller. Naturally. But there are more servants down here than there are them upstairs, so shouldn't we get the bigger pudding? That is a wicked thought, Edith. Is it? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to be wicked, not at Christmas. I should think not. We're nothing. We're nobody. Remember that. Oh, I will. I love your plum pudding, Mrs Baddeley. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without your plum pudding. That's not a very original observation, Edith. Everyone says that about my plum pudding. Now get peeling them spuds. Ah, that'll be the drawing room. His lordship will be wanting his sherry. Start peeling those potatoes, Edith. Yes, Mr. Shaughnessy. I am already, Mr. Shaughnessy. Don't answer back. And when you've done that, finish your scrubbing and dusting. How you think you're ever going to get on by antagonising Mr. Shaughnessy is quite beyond me. And you'd like to get on, wouldn't you, Edith? You want to be a cook like me. Yes, Mrs. Baddeley. You have designs on my plum pudding. Well, you'll never amount to a cook, Edith. You'll never amount to anything over my dead body. Yes, Mrs. Baddeley. Good evening, ladies. 
Good evening. Good evening, Frederick. Well, what have you got there, Edith? One of Mrs. Badley's famous plum puddings, I'll be bound. Oh, yes, but it's for upstairs. You're not to touch it. Then I won't. They're famous, my puddings. Edith might think she could be a cook, but she wouldn't make a pudding like this. Not in a million years. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without one of your plum puddings, would it, Mrs. Badley? It just wouldn't be Christmas. <clears throat> I wonder, Mrs. Badley, if uh, I could have a private word. Edith, go back to your duties in the scullery. But you just called me in here. And now I'm sending you out again. What's the matter with you, girl? Go on, get away with you. I'm sorry, Mrs. Badley. I'm sorry, Frederick. I know what you want to say to me, and I'm telling you now it'll do you no good. But I'm sure we can come to some arrangement. What do you say? The kitchen. And there's still no one to be seen. No, not a soul. Aha! I found a plum pudding, though. Oh, I found another. Look, I'll shine the candle. An Edwardian Christmas. How lovely. Hmm. I never much liked plum pudding. Cook always used to make far too much of it. And we were still picking our way through it by New Year. Oh, I love a bit of plum pudding, though. Mmm, with brandy butter, too. I wonder if I can find any... And she always used to put threepenny bits inside. And I was always frightened I'd bite straight into one and break a tooth. Spoil sport, but we're agreed it's Christmas, then. Oh, yes. The question is, have we missed the day itself? See if you can find a turkey anywhere. Mm, turkey hunting, turkey hunting... Aha! I've hunted the turkey. Already cooked and waiting to be eaten. Christmas Eve, then. The kitchen should be buzzing with action. So where is everybody? What worries me, Charlie, is that they might still be here all around us. That we are the ones who've gone missing somewhere. Shh! Doctor? What's that? I can't hear anything. It's very quiet. Listen. Hark the Herald Angels sing. Ed, do you hear it? Oh. It's gone now. I suppose it could be a carol singer outside somewhere. I hope so. I honestly hope so. Come on, let's see what else we can find. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without one of your plum puddings, would he, Mrs. Badley? It just wouldn't be Christmas. Did you hear that? Hear what? They're hunting the turkeys. Someone's hunting the turkeys. His lordship doesn't hunt turkeys, Edith. He hunts foxes. No, she definitely said turkeys. I wonder, Mrs. Badley, if I could have a private word. Edith, go back to your duties in the scullery. Such an odd voice, too. Sounded so very far away. Edith! Yes, Mrs. Badley. I know what you want to say to me, and I'm telling you now, it'll do you no good. But I'm sure we can come to some arrangement. What do you say? You're wasting your breath. I know what you are, Frederick. I knew the moment you came to work here, you're a veritable monster. Mr. Badley was just the same, God rest his soul. I knew when I saw you, you'd be after just one thing, and it wasn't plum pudding. But you're not going to say anything, are you? I'll lose my job. That's for her ladyship to decide. And Mary will lose her job, too. Mary should know better. With all her airs and graces, you'd think that she was the lady here. We women have to take care of ourselves, surrounded by men like you. If we fall, we fall forever. For God's sake, it's only a bit of bleeding fun. Don't you say God's name to me, Frederick. Not with his birthday coming up and all. You should be ashamed of yourself. And I am ashamed of myself. Please, Mrs. Badley, let's think about this. It was only a bit of fun. I'll make sure it never happens again. I'll tell Mary it will never happen again. Look, I'll give you money. I've got money. How much money would you like? <sighs> I don't want your money. 
In the years I've been working here, I've put together quite a few savings. When I leave here, and with the likes of you in the house, I feel that day is ever creeping nearer. I'll be all right, thank you very much. I'm a good bit richer than you are. I bet you're not as strong as me, though, are you? What was that? Was that a threat? I was just saying, that's all. Get out of my kitchen. Get out at once. You should be careful, Mrs Badley. You've left me with nothing to lose. Go on, get out. This must be where the servants relax. Look, they've even got a little Christmas tree. Hmm. The fire's burning in the grate, but there's still no one here. But, Doctor, it isn't burning. Look at the flames. They're not moving. I don't like this, Charlie. Not one bit. Could we be somewhere, I don't know, which is just frozen, where nothing is moving? Pull a cracker with me. Do you think we should? It's not really ours to pull, is it? As an experiment. One. Two. Three. I win. No, wait. Well, there's a novelty. Reusable crackers. What's going on, Doctor? It's as if we're not being allowed to make any impression here. Yes, that's right. Time itself not letting us in. There's only one problem with that theory. Which is? Well, it's not possible. Time doesn't work like that. At least not without some direct intervention. You mean whatever is happening here is happening deliberately? I just don't know. Which means that whoever is doing this could be watching us at this very moment. Pull the cracker with me again. What for? Please, I want to check something. It was just as before. It's come back together in your hand. Uh, not quite. Look what I was able to get hold of. A paper hat? Before the cracker sealed, I grabbed it. Does that do us any good? Well, firstly, I can wear it. Yeah, very festive. <laughs> And secondly, it proves we can reach in. We can affect things here. So whatever is keeping us out, it can't do it completely. Oh, oh dear. What is it? I've just had an alarming thought. That means that things could reach out and affect us. Oh, there's also a joke. There, it fell on the floor. Let's see. When is a door not a door? Oh, when it's a jar. It's a very old joke. Well, it's a very old cracker. Let's see what it says, Charlie. That's not the answer. What does it say? When is a door not a door? When it's a raspberry jam jar. It's mocking us. Whatever this force is, it's mocking us. So much snow. I've never seen so much snow. Frederick, come to the window and join me. It's like a Christmas card outside. No, thanks. I'd rather stand by the fire than by a drafty window, if it's all the same to you. And what if it isn't all the same to me? I've got something for you, Freddy. What have you got there? Silly. It's a sprig of mistletoe, isn't it? Come and give me a kiss. No, thanks. No one will see. They're all busy, apart from us. A chauffeur with nowhere to drive his car, and a lady's maid whose lady is no doubt having the time of her life upstairs without her. Thank you very much. Come on, Frederick. We can have the time of our lives, too. Leave me be, Mary. I can make you warmer than that fire ever could. Can't you just leave it, I said. I only wanted a kiss. Freddy? Freddy, please? It's over, Mary. What we did, it, it was a mistake. A silly accident. All those times? Lots of accidents, then. No, Mary, get off! Is this because Mrs Badley saw us? She says she'll tell upstairs. She'll get us a sack. Interfering old cow! Letter. We were meant for better than this, my love. Listen to me. There is nothing better than this. Do you hear me? 
This is it. Me driving a car around, you helping her ladyship with her clothes. It's the best we're ever going to get. We're nothing, Mary. Do you hear me? We're nobody. This isn't because you prefer Edith. Scullery maid? Give over. I've seen you looking at her. A chauffeur with a scullery maid? The idea. You couldn't love Edith, could you? Nobody could love anyone quite that dense. The likes of you and me, Mary. We haven't the right to love anyone. Not anyone. Freddy? Leave me alone! I won't let anyone get in the way of our love. Not Mrs. Badley. Not Edith. Not even you, Freddy. Not even you. And you can't even hear the wind. What, Doctor? Look at the snow outside. The wind out there is blowing a gale. We can't hear it. We can't even feel it. Even double glazing would let the cold through, but there's nothing. And yet we can feel the heat from the fire. Yes, you're right. Strange, that. Mm, the flames don't move, but it's still making the room warm. I wonder if it burns. Wait, I'll try my hat. It unfroze, just for a few seconds. But long enough to burn the hat. And now the flames, look. They've frozen into a different position. Charlie, what is it? It's the Christmas carol. Hark the herald angels sing. It's very faint. I still can't hear anything. Charlie, can you tell where it's coming from? No, it, it's too faint. Oh, I can barely hear it now. Maybe when I burn the hat, maybe we broke into that other world for a few seconds. Wait, I'll burn the cracker too. Yes, that's better. It's louder. Where's it coming from, Charlie? Where's the way in? Burn something else. Find something else, Doctor. The tablecloth. I'll try the tablecloth. <gasps> Quick, back the way we came. Through the kitchen? Yes, into the scullery. That's where it's coming from. I can hear her, Doctor. It's as if she's standing in the room with us. Can't you hear anything? No. Try talking to her. See if you can get through to her. Doctor? Somewhere here is the door out of this. You must see if you can find it, Charlie. Hello? Are you there? Can you hear me? Oh, it's all right. You needn't be frightened. Please. What's happening, Charlie? What do you see? Nothing. I think I frightened her off. It's just silence again. No, wait. It's ticking. What did you say? A clock. It's... It's like a clock ticking, growing louder and louder. They're talking to me. Who's talking to you, Charlie? I don't know. I can't make it out. Who are you? Who are you all? What do you want with us? Charlie. Oh, why is this happening to me? Doctor, it's too much. Creeping up on me like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry, miss. I'm sorry. Speaking before I was being spoken at, I'm sorry. You won't tell, will you? No, of course not. Only Mrs. Badley, or worse, Mr. Shaughnessy, they'd go spare, miss. I promise I won't tell. Oh, you've got a good heart, miss. You're from upstairs, aren't you? Yes, I, I suppose I am. Oh, I never see nobody from upstairs. There's a big plum pudding in there for you. The biggest ever. It's all right, I haven't tasted it. I wanted to, mind, but I didn't do it. Was it my singing that brought you down? Was it too loud? I did hear you singing. Caterwauling, Mr Shaughnessy calls it. You stop that caterwauling right now! Well, please don't tell. I've got all this scrubbing and dusting to do, see? There's so much dust, I could write my name in it. Edith Thompson. Oh, that's it. See it there. I wrote that all by myself. I'm sure. All by myself, mind. I didn't have no help. Just a moment. There's more writing appearing. How's that happening then? 
Charlie Pollard. Charlie Pollard? Is that what it says? Who's that, then? It's me. Charlie? That's a funny name for a girl. Oh, I don't mean nothing by it. It's a nice name. Charlie, there'll be a death here soon. Edith, what are you saying? Whose death? Mine, Charlie. Mine. Oh, I don't mean nothing by it. It's a nice name. Oh, I wish I was called Charlie. Charlie, are you all right? Yes, I think so. Where were you, Charlie? What did you see? I was right here, standing right here. But I was with the maid, with Edith Thompson. Couldn't you see me? You were frozen, just like the flames, like everything in this house. I thought I'd lost you. Doctor, she said she was going to die. Edith said she was going to die. Do you hear that? A clock ticking. A grandfather clock. Oh, you can hear it too. I thought it was just me. Come on, Charlie, back to the TARDIS. Doctor? There are some mysteries best left unsolved, and something has gone to great lengths to stop us from interfering. You're frightened? Yes. Too late. I think that whatever was keeping us out has decided to let us in. Grandfather clock. Oh, you can hear it too. I thought it was just me. Come on, Charlie, back to the TARDIS. Doctor? There are some mysteries best left unsolved, and something has gone to great lengths to stop us from interfering. You're frightened? Yes. Too late. I think that whatever was keeping us out has decided to let us in. Charlie, are you all right? Yes, I think so. Doctor, look! Oh, my word. That's the maid. That's Edith. Give me a hand with her. Keep her head out of the water. But I was only speaking to her a moment ago. What's happening in here? There was a scream. It's your scullery maid. We found her drowning in her own sink. Oh, no! Mary, it's all right. Oh, my goodness, that such a thing could happen in my kitchens. Give me a hand with her, someone, quickly. Yes, of course. Frederick, assist the gentleman in removing Edith from the wash basin. Yes, Mr. Shaughnessy. Let me assure you, sir, if Edith has inconvenienced you in any way, I will have her formally reprimanded. He's good at that, sir, is Mr Shaughnessy. He's a veritable tyrant with his formal reprimands. Give me room, can't you? I'm trying to save her life. Well? I'm sorry, I'm afraid she's dead. Oh, no. I don't understand it. Her lungs are full of water. There couldn't be that much water in the sink in the first place. I should have been able to save her. This is most unfortunate. 
to lose a scullery maid on Christmas Eve. But Edith never was very good at timing, was she? Listen, I know how this must look, coming in to find two strangers over a dead body. But we really had nothing to do with it. Well, of course you had nothing to do with it. The very idea. We count ourselves lucky, Doctor, that the Chief Inspector of Scotland Yard was being entertained upstairs at the time of this most unhappy accident. The Chief Inspector of Scotland Yard? Yes, of course. Y you are the Doctor, aren't you? Yes, I am. And this is Miss Pollard, your niece. Well, yes. It is indeed a happy coincidence you are both already here, so that this matter can be resolved as swiftly as possible. Well, I'll do my best, Mr... Oh, no, Mr. Sir. Shaughnessy. Just plain Shaughnessy to a man of your act. You will be able to solve this case before morning, won't you, Doctor? I don't want it spoiling Christmas. Not when I've got my famous plum puddings all ready and cooling next door. Oh, yes. Well, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without one of your plum puddings. No, don't worry, Mrs. Baddeley. Have faith in the Doctor and Miss Pollard. I assume, Doctor, we can safely conclude it was suicide? Suicide? The poor unfortunate. She was such an unhappy child. In fact, it is extraordinarily difficult to drown yourself standing up with your head in a sink. As soon as the body loses consciousness, she'd have passed out and fallen, pulling her head out of the water. Oh, don't he talk posh with all his scientific terms, don't he, Frederick? Losing consciousness, indeed. That's what makes him a gentleman, Mary. I'd even go so far as to say it was impossible. Well, Edith was a very stupid girl, Doctor. She may not have known it was impossible when she did it. She certainly wasn't the sharpest tool in the box. That's your answer, Doctor. Mrs. Baddeley has it. Edith was so simple-minded that she didn't realise she couldn't drown herself in the sink. And so she did. Hmm. An interesting theory. Do you have another, Doctor? Oh, come on. It's perfectly obvious. The poor girl was murdered. Murdered? Oh, that such a thing could happen in my kitchens when I've got my plum puddings ready and cooling. Wouldn't be Christmas without them. Murder, Doctor? Well, I'm sure you know your business. No doubt you will want to interview us all, one by one, in order to ascertain which of us is the guilty culprit. Yes. Yes, that's the idea. Well, then I shall be in my pantry, Doctor, when you need me. The rest of you, return to your duties until you're requested by the Doctor and Miss Pollard. And obey them in all things. Yes, yes Mr. Yes, Shaughnessy. Yes, Save, naturally, in matters regarding the household. We will wait for you, Doctor. Miss, come along, Mary. I must check my plum pudding. With all the commotion, I wouldn't be surprised if it's quite gone off. Chief Inspector of Scotland Yard, eh? I'd rather we were amateur sleuths, like in those Agatha Christie novels. Doctor, what's going on here? I don't know, Charlie. I really don't know. That poor girl. She warned me she was going to die. She knew she was. She was killed at precisely ten o'clock. I wonder if that's significant. Perhaps the murderer was trying to mask the sound of any struggle beneath the chimes of the grandfather clock. Yes, possibly. Except it didn't work. Edith still had time to scream. But if the killer didn't want to be discovered, why kill Edith in such a contrived manner? Drowning someone is hardly the quietest method of murder. You've seen how small the staff quarters are down here, Charlie. The killer must have known he could be found at any moment. And yet he chooses to kill her like this, face down in the sink. Something's wrong about this. It all feels too calculated, too deliberate. Just as something deliberately shut us out. And now, just as deliberately has let us in and gives us roles to perform. A pair of detectives trying to solve a Christmas murder. I don't like being given a role to play, Charlie. I prefer to find my own. So what do we do? Oh, we'll play detective. We've no choice for the moment. Speak to the cook and the maid. See what you can learn. I'll question the man. And what are we investigating? The murder or the time anomaly? Well, I'd be very surprised if the two weren't connected. Take care of yourself, Charlie. There's more to this than meets the eye.
<clears throat> oh, please, sir, come in. There's no need to knock. You have complete authority in this house. Thank you. Please, won't you be seated? Thank you, Doctor. Ah, may I be permitted to ask how the investigation is proceeding? Are you close to bringing the felon to justice? Well, I have only just started, Shunasi. Oh, a terrible business, this. Murder. It is to be hoped that the disgrace will in no way taint his lordship, that it will only fall on us, the staff. Do you know why anybody would want to kill Edith? Did you like the girl? Oh, like didn't really come into it, Doctor. She was the scullery maid. But she'll be missed. So you did have a little affection for her? Oh, no. She was noisy, and she was lazy, and she was ugly. But you said she'd be missed. Indeed she will, sir. She cleaned the pots and pans. Yes, I see. Is there anything else you know about her? <laughs> she was the scullery maid, Doctor. Nothing more. I don't want any more lip from you, my girl. You're to get to those pots and pans. But that's not my job. That's Edith's job. I'm a lady's maid. My place isn't in the scullery. Well, now Edith's dead, you'll just have to fill in for her. Do you the world of good, you with all your airs and graces. Excuse me, I wonder if I could ask you a few questions. Of course you can, my poppet. Anything you like. Well, go on, Mary, about your business. It isn't fair. I bet if I'd been the one who was horribly murdered, you wouldn't ask Edith to do my duties. It's favouritism. And what about Edith's body? You expect me to work in there with that on the floor? Why ever not? It doesn't take up much room. Oh, girls these days. Well, not you, of course, my poppet. You're a lovely little girl, I know. You want to ask me a few questions? Is this about your little investigation? Yes, that's right. Where were you when Edith was murdered? Oh, bless. Do you think you've solved the mystery yet? Well, no. I've only just started. Bless. Would you like a piece of my plum pudding? <laughs> well, no. I'd really much rather you just answered my question. Here it is. Oh, go on. Just a little piece. I won't tell. It isn't Christmas quite yet, but I know it's your favourite. I don't care about plum pudding. I just want to find out who killed Edith Thompson. Well, if you don't care about my plum pudding, I'm not sure I want to help. What? If you'd rather talk about a dirty, noisy, stupid little girl like Edith than taste a sweet, moist plum pudding like mine, then I don't want to talk to you at all. Go on, leave my kitchen. But Mr Shaughnessy said... Mr Shaughnessy likes my plum pudding. He always says so. On second thoughts, Miss Badley, may I have a piece of your pudding after all? It looks quite delicious. Oh, it is delicious. It is. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without my plum pudding. And I know it's your favourite. You always said so. How long have you worked in this house, Shaughnessy? Oh, I don't know exactly, Doctor. A long time, though, I can tell you that. I'm sure you must have seen a fair few changes. Changes, sir? I'm not sure I know what you mean. Changes in staff, at least. You've got through several scullery maids, I'll be bound. Oh, I dare say, sir. It's hard to recall. They were all scullery maids to me. And the rest of the household, how well do you know them? Oh, intimately, Doctor. They've worked under me for many years. What can you tell me about them? Oh, there's the cook, and the lady's maid, and the chauffeur. Yes. All right. What about upstairs? Upstairs, Doctor? Yes. Who is upstairs? Well, his lordship and her ladyship. And what are they like? Oh, I don't discuss them, sir. It's not my place. Are either of them remotely homicidal at all? Oh, it's not my place. Perhaps one of them is conducting dangerous time experiments. Have you seen any weird, futuristic-looking equipment lying about when you serve morning tea? <laughs> it's not my place. 
We are nothing. We are nobody. I beg your pardon? We are nobody. Only in service do we derive any meaning or purpose. We serve. That is our function. Our only function. We are nobody. Yes, all right, Shaughnessy. Did you kill Edith? No, sir. Do you know who did? No, sir. But I'd be inclined to suspect Mrs. Baddeley, the cook. And why is that? Why, sir? She has shifty eyes. Thank you, Shaughnessy. That was almost helpful. There you are, my dear. You enjoy that. Be careful of the threatening bit. Remember when you broke your tooth on one? How do you know? Go on, my poppet. Eat up. Mmm. Mm. Oh, yes, that is good. Always been your favourite, ever since you were a little girl. It certainly has. You'll make me plum pudding forever, won't you? Even when I'm grown up? <laughs> of course I will, my love. All the plum pudding you can eat. I'll never leave you. Not ever. Where am I? What's going on? You poor thing. You're getting tired. And it's a big day tomorrow. What? Uh, what are you doing to me? Oh, dear. Clumsy. Never mind. One more piece of plum pudding, then we'll get you tucked straight into bed. Uh, Mrs. Baddeley, did you kill Edith Thompson? No, my dear. Do you know, I didn't. But I've got a feeling I know who did. Who's that? Frederick, the chauffeur. Haven't you noticed? He's got shifty eyes. Thank you, Mrs. Baddeley. For the pudding. Not at all, my puppet. Not at all. Always been a favourite. Ever since she was a little girl. Excuse me, Frederick? Uh, hello, Doctor. So, have you got the case solved yet? No, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sure you will have soon. It's very exciting for the likes of us, sir, to be in a real-life murder mystery being solved by Dr... by the Doctor. You know my reputation, then? Oh, yes, sir. I love that one you did with the Seven Dials. That was gripping. I think you'll find that was Agatha Christie. If you say so, Doctor. I thought I worked at Scotland Yard. Oh, no. You're too good for the police. You're the best amateur sleuther is in all London. I've no doubt you'll have the murderer behind bars before I can say Boxing Day. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Are you the killer, Frederick? <laughs> well, Doctor, that would be telling. <laughs> it wouldn't be a good mystery if the killer came right out and told you, would it? No, I suppose not. Well, assuming it isn't you for the moment. Yes, sir. Anything I can do to help? Who is the killer, do you think? Well, I'm not paid to have opinions, Doctor. I'm just paid to drive the Chrysler. But I'm sure you have an opinion anyway. I'm betting it's Mary, sir. The lady's maid. Shifty eyes, no doubt. Well, you're the expert, Doctor. But they are a bit shifty, aren't they? Ah, uh, if only ever murder could be determined by the shiftiness of the culprit's eyes. What year is it? What, sir? What's the year, don't you know? Yes, sir. It's 1906. But Agatha Christie wasn't published until 1920, so how do you know who she was? Well, it's probably 1920, then. And the Chrysler was first introduced in 1924. Did I say Chrysler? Oh, I meant Bentley. I drive a Bentley. Do you? Yes, sir. I've never even heard of a Chrysler. Or a Christie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what year it is. I'm just paid to drive the car. The Chrysler, is there? Yes, the Chrysler. No, I mean the Bentley. The, the Chrysler hasn't been invented yet. Will that be all, Doctor? For the moment. I'm sure you'll catch the killer soon, Doctor. You're the best amateur sleuth in London. It's just not fair. That's the long and the short of it. I'm a lady's maid, not a scullery maid. No, Mary, of course not. In truth, I've been brought up too proper to have my hands in the washing. In truth, I'm closer to you, Miss Pollard, than I ever was to Edith. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I'm posh or nothing like the likes of you, Miss. 
But I'm not in Edith's class, neither, am I? And just because she goes and gets herself murdered, well, I don't see why I should have to do her job. You don't seem very affected by her death. Of course I'm affected by it. If she were still alive, I wouldn't be trying to clean the grease off this baking tray, would I? Did you kill her, Mary? Not much in it for me if I did, was there? Do you know who did? Well, if I had to say, I'd think it was Edith. She's got shifty eyes. Edith's the one who was murdered, Mary. Then I'd say it was Mr Shaughnessy. He's got shifty eyes. I see. Thank you. Here, you can tell me. Have you worked out who killed her yet? Have you worked out who killed me yet? What? What was that? Miss Pollard? Are you all right? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, I think so. You've gone all pale. Like you've just seen her. Back here again. In the darkness. Silent. Doctor. Oh, doctor, where are you? Oh, Doctor, please. I don't think I can stand it in here on my own. Have you worked out who killed me yet? Edith. That's right. Where are you? I can't see you. I can't see anything. Please find out who killed me soon. I'm so tired of dying. Do you know who killed you? Who was it, Edith? Oh, yes, I know. But that will be telling. There'll be another murder soon, and everyone will forget me. Don't you forget me, Charlie. No, I won't. Edward Grove. Edward Grove is alive. Edith? Edith, where have you gone? Edith, please, don't leave me here on my own. Doctor? Doctor, where are you? Charlie, what is it? What's happened? Why is Mrs. Baddeley lying like that on the kitchen table? Oh, dear Lord, not another accident. Let me see. There are no marks on her body, it seems. Someone's put threepenny coins on her eyes. Why would they do that? The mark of death. Let me see if I can open her mouth. Oh, dear. What is it, Doctor? I'd keep back if I were you. This is not very pleasant to look at. It seems that Mrs. Baddeley has been stuffed with her own plum pudding. Oh, dear God, that's sick. This is dreadful news. To lose another member of staff over Christmas is bad enough. To lose the plum pudding makes it even worse. Still, what a way to go. I can't think of a better way than being suffocated with one of Mrs. Badley's plum puddings. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without them. <laughs> What's wrong with them all? Gently does it, Charlie. You're right, something is very wrong with them all. Surely you would agree that this one must be suicide, Doctor. Do you know, I'm going to stick my neck out and suggest it's another murder. Oh. <sighs> Could you please all leave Miss Pollard and myself alone for a moment? Got some of your famous sleuthing to do, have you, Doctor? That's the idea, yes. That's very exciting. I wonder who the killer will turn out to be. Doctor, I saw Edith. Where? What, she's alive? No, I don't think so. It was in the scullery, but as it was when we arrived, dark and empty. Did she speak to you? What did she say? It didn't make much sense. She told me to remember her, that everyone would forget her, but I must remember her, and that Edward Grove is alive. Edward Grove is alive? Yes, she was most emphatic about it. But there isn't anyone here called Edward Grove. Maybe he's the killer. Someone we haven't met yet. No, not possible. There are rules to this sort of mystery, Charlie. It wouldn't be fair if the murderer turned out to be someone we hadn't even suspected. Rules? What do you mean? Oh, I think that there are rules to this, Charlie. Don't you? It all feels like some sort of elaborate game to me. 
a killing always on the hour, just as the clock strikes, the murder being some sort of representation of the victim's job, the scullery maid drown in her own sink with the pots and pans, the cook smothered with her own pudding. Oh, if only we were given some sort of clue. I rather think we've been given nothing else but clues. There are so many clues we can't see what's going on. Whoever has given us our roles as amateur sleuths has taken it to heart. Poor Mrs. Badley. I heard her scream, Doctor, just as before. Yes, odd that. That she should be able to scream with her throat full of plum pudding. I heard the clock chime. I heard a scream. Seconds later, I was in here to find you and her dead body. Look at the state of her. It must have taken minutes to force feed her so much. But if she didn't scream, who did? I don't know. It was the same scream we heard before, wasn't it? The one we assumed had to be Edith's when she was killed. A young woman's scream. Mary's? Yes, it seems likely. But why, Doctor? Why would Mary scream as she was killing Mrs. Badley and Edith? Why draw attention to yourself? And who is Edward Grove? Oh, too many questions and not enough answers, and we are running out of time. What do you mean? It seems pretty well established that the murders take place on the hour. We've got to try and solve this before anyone else gets killed. There's something I'm missing. There's something that's staring me in the face, and I can't see it. Doctor! I'll tell you something else which doesn't make sense. With the greatest of respect, Charlie, I'm looking for something which does make sense at the moment. Sorry, sorry, what was it? The murders are happening exactly an hour apart, yes? Yes. But that didn't seem like an hour at all, did it? I mean, I know it's hard to keep track of time, but not that much, surely. Doctor, why are you looking at me like that? Oh, Charlie, Charlie, you are brilliant! I am? Oh, thank you. He's breaking the rules. He has to kill on the hour, but he's altering the clock to make it run faster. Why is he doing that, I wonder? When everything else is so ordered, why is that out of place? Come on. Where are we going? To find a clock, of course. To find out what time it really is. Frederick, thank God you're alone. Mary, what is it? Oh, Frederick. You're a wild, passionate, impulsive fool, but I can't help but love you for it. What are you talking about? Oh, you do love me, don't you? That's why you murdered Mrs. Badley. So she couldn't blackmail us to end our affair, so we'd be free to do what we wanted forever. Don't be silly, Mary. I didn't murder Mrs. Badley. Oh. I was rather under the impression you had. No. In fact, I thought you were the one who had done for Mrs. Badley. No. I'm afraid not. It wasn't me that killed her. Really? So... Neither was his murderer. It seems not. Well, fancy that. I wonder who is. Of course, it's not proof. I mean, I suppose I could be lying when I said I didn't kill her. Oh, yes. As of course could I. Stands to reason. Once you've committed murder, a bit of fibbing is hardly going to bother your conscience, is it? It doesn't matter. With her out of the way, we're free to love each other as much as we like. Yes. I don't think so. A chauffeur in love with a scullery maid? <laughs> it's just not right, is it? But I thought I was the lady's maid. The lady's maid? I should think not. And that Edith? Wasn't Edith the scullery maid? Edith? I've never heard of an Edith. Who are you talking about? I... I don't know. I've... I've never heard of an Edith either. You do see I couldn't love you, don't you? It was just a bit of fun. Oh, oh of course. Not if I'm a scullery maid. I am nothing, after all. You are nobody. That's right. You just get back to your pots and pans, Mary. There's work to be done. Y yes, Mr. Frederick. Sorry, Mr. Frederick.
O'Shaughnessy, there you are. Hate to disturb you in your room. Oh, not at all, Doctor. Is there any way I can be of service to you both? Well, there is, rather. We've been looking for a clock down here, and we can't find one anywhere. Really, sir? I must say that is most peculiar. That's what we thought, isn't it, Charlie? Most peculiar, we thought. It's almost deliberate, as if you didn't want there to be any clocks. Well, not at all, miss. Very useful items, clocks. Most efficacious in the telling of time. Except... Except what? Well, except the staff here don't need to know the time. It is enough that they are told what to do, and they do it promptly. They are nothing and nobody, I take it. Quite so, sir. And yet, you have a fob watch. I can see it in your pocket. Yes. Do you mind if we borrow it for a while? Oh, there is no need, sir. The time is just after eleven. The chimes rang at the moment of Mrs. Baddeley's unexpected device. We don't want to know the time. We just want the watch. No, I would really rather not. I, I will keep my watch. He is Chief Inspector of Scotland Yard, you know. As I understand it, miss. You and the Doctor are a pair of amateur sleuths of no official status whatsoever. Where is the grandfather clock? Sir? The grandfather clock we can hear ticking in the background. It must be upstairs. Charlie, I think it's time we visited the gentry. Maybe we'll get some answers out of them. Doctor, what is it? Oh. Mr. Shaughnessy, you're pointing a gun at us. Yes, sir. That's not a very nice way for a well-bred butler to behave, is it? You are not to go upstairs. It is not our place. We only go upstairs when we are summoned. And the bell has not been rung. We're not to go upstairs until the bell has rung. But, Shaughnessy, we're from upstairs, aren't we, Doctor? Give me the gun, Shaughnessy. I'm sorry, Doctor. I cannot do that. You do realise that holding us at gunpoint means we're going to put you right at the top of our list of suspects? I sincerely regret that, Miss. And I apologise if my service is giving you any dissatisfaction. Keep back, Doctor. Give me the gun. No. Give it to me, Shaughnessy. Keep back. Doctor! Very well. Give me the watch. What? Well, be fair, you can't very well shoot me with a watch, can you? Uh, oh, no, Doctor. <laughs> You're quite right. Here you are, sir. Thank you. Not at all. Uh, will that be all? Yes. Thank you, Shaughnessy. We'll leave you now. Come along, Charlie. Very good, sir. Very good, miss. If I can be of any further assistance, don't hesitate to find me. What was all that about? It sees us as a threat, whatever it is, but it can't yet work out which way we threaten it most. And it can't concentrate on more than one thing at a time, which gives us a distinct advantage. It does? Yes, I can concentrate on millions of things at once. So what time is it? Oh yes, good point, I'd forgotten. No, that's impossible. What is it? It's 11.20. But it can't be! It only struck the hour a few minutes ago. Look how fast the second hand is going round. Just look at it. Doctor, it stopped. Yes. Why has it done that? It's as if it can see us. It's as if it's caught us looking at it. Charlie, that's ridiculous. No, look. Look at the second hand quivering like that. No, it started again. Much quicker than before. It's taken fright, Doctor. Time has taken fright and it's running away. Faster and faster towards midnight and we know what will happen then. Another death? At the very least, we must get the household together. Quick, everyone in here. Come here, quickly. What's all the fuss about? What's going on? What time does it say now? 11.32. You must listen to me, all of you. We must all stay together in this room. Doctor, the household has duties. It'll soon be midnight. Even more reason we must return to work. His Lordship will want to toast Christmas Day with champagne. 
Mary, get the glasses. Right away, sir. No, Mary, you must stay here. 11.39? All of you, please, there will be another murder committed at midnight. For your safety's sake, we must be together. Another murder? How do you deduce that, Doctor? Both deaths took place exactly on the hour, exactly as the chimes struck. There's only been one death. What? Mrs. Badley's suicide with a plum pudding. 11.44. Doctor, it's going wild. What about Edith? You must remember Edith. Edith? There's no Edith here. A scullery maid, you must remember. 11.49. Doctor! Mary here is our scullery maid. That's right. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Doctor, the second hand is just a blur. I can hardly see it. This is ridiculous. Staff, return to your duties. At once, Mr. Shaughnessy. Yes. No, come back. We must be together when whatever happens, happens. 11.54. 11.55. Any one of us could be next. Don't you understand? It could be any one of us. 58.59, Doctor! No! At once, Mr. Shaughnessy. Yes. No, come back. We must be together when whatever happens, happens. 11.54. 11.55. Any one of us could be next. Don't you understand? It could be any one of us. 58.59. Doctor! Started. Doctor, look! It's Edith! I'm afraid she's dead, Charlie. But she already was dead. Well, now she's dead again. But she was drowned in the sink, and here she's... Lying on the floor, suffocated by a sink plunger. It is bizarre, to say the least. What's happening in here? There was a scream! I'm afraid your scullery maid is dead. Oh, no! Mary, it's all right. Oh, my goodness, that such a thing could happen in my kitchens! And she's alive again, too! What's going on? What do you mean, my poppet? Shh, Charlie. Frederick, assist the gentleman in removing the sink plunger from Edith's face. Yes, Mr. Shaughnessy. This is most unfortunate. To lose a scullery maid on Christmas Eve. But Edith never was very good at timing, was she? We can count ourselves lucky, Doctor, that the most famous amateur sleuth in London was being entertained upstairs at the time of this most unhappy accident. Quite so. You will be able to solve this case before morning, won't you, Doctor? I don't want it spoiling Christmas. Not when I've got my plum puddings already and cooling next door. Well, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without one of your plum puddings. I assume, Doctor, we can safely conclude it was suicide? Well, probably not. It's impossible 
to suffocate yourself on a sink plunger. You need someone to hold the other end, you see? No, don't eat old Porsche with all his scientific terms. Hold the other end, indeed. Well, Edith was a very stupid girl, Doctor. She may not have known it was impossible when she did it. She certainly wasn't the brightest button on the waistcoat. Well, that's as may be. Could you leave us alone, please? Miss Pollard and I have some investigating to do. Even the best amateur sleuths in London need some privacy to do their sleuthing in. Oh, yes, of course. Well, staff, obey the doctor in all things, except in matters concerning the household. Yes, Mrs. Shaughnessy. What do you make of it, Charlie? We've gone back in time, haven't we? Yes, it would seem so. Everyone's saying more or less the same thing, behaving in more or less the same way. Except poor Edith. If we've gone back in time, why has she been killed in an entirely different way? I don't know. It's odd, that. And yet, once again, killed in a manner which reflects her job. Yes, you'd noticed that, did you? Good. I wonder if you noticed something else. What's that? The writing here in the dust. Edith's name and your name beneath it. What about it? There's a third signature. Oh, yes. Oh, it's very faint. Edward Grove. The mysterious Edward Grove again. Well, it seems our murderer is getting careless. Well, you're suggesting he came in here, killed Edith with the sink plunger, then accidentally happened to write his name in the dust for us to find. Yes, sorry. That's ridiculous. Whoever is leaving us these clues must think we're idiots. You know what it reminds me of? It's like an artist signing his name at the bottom of a painting. Yes, interesting. The murders have, after all, been tableau of some sort or another. The question is why. No, oh, we're back to why again. Yes, it does seem our most pressing puzzle at the moment. Well, at least we should be able to find our killer soon, Doctor. It's pretty simple to solve a murder before it's taken place, and we know what's going to happen. Mrs. Badley in the kitchen, 11 o'clock sharp. Yes, stay with Mrs. Badley, Charlie. See what happens to her. But do take care, won't you? Oh, don't worry. What are you going to do? Check out a hunch. I won't be long. Just the chap. You're a chauffeur, aren't you? Yes, Doctor. I drive a Chrysler. No, a Bentley. No, a Chrysler. Yes, well, Mr. we'll not worry about that for the moment. I want you to take me for a drive. What? Now, sir? Yes, why not? But it's Christmas Eve, sir. And it's blowing a blizzard. Look at the snow out the window. Pretty, like a Christmas card. I gave you an order, Frederick. You obey orders, don't you? Yes, sir. Open the door, Mary, so we can go outside. What, and let all the cold in, when the fire's barely keeping as warm as it is? I am a gentleman, remember? Oh, yes, sir. And I'm nothing. We are nobody. Well, now, I never said that. Just open the door for me, there's a dear. We're not allowed to, Doctor. We have been forbidden to open the door, to, to try to leave this house. Whose orders? The Lordship's upstairs? Our master's. Yes, well, he's given me no such orders, so I'll open the door myself. Don't do it, Doctor. Our master has also instructed I'll hit you with this poker if you try. Did he indeed? Oh, yes, sir. And he told me to do it very hard. And I can stab you hard with my knitting needle. Did your master instruct you to do that too, Mary? Oh, yes. He was most particular about what I could do to you with my knitting needle, sir. Please don't do it, Doctor. We don't want to kill you. Not with you being a famous amateur sleuth and all. All right, then. I won't. Well, that's good enough for me. And me too. I think I'll get back on with my knitting. I dare say you'll be wanting to get on with your duties too, Doctor. My duties? Sorry? Yes. Detecting and all that. Yes. No doubt your master will be much happier if I get on with my duties. Keep me in my rightful place and all that. The chauffeur drives a car, the maid cleans and sews, the detective detects. All nice and simple. 
Do you think you know who did it yet, Doctor? I'm beginning to think it may not even matter. It's just we've been thinking hard, Frederick and me, and we think we can help you out. We know who did the murders. Oh? Who? Us. Excuse me. Oh, hello, my poppet. Goodness, you gave me a fright. I hope you don't mind me singing. That stupid girl Edith has been singing it all day. It's probably the only Christmas carol she knows. Round and round my head it's been going. I can't shake it out. Well, she won't be singing it any longer, will she? That's a blessing. With any luck, it means she's putting her back into scrubbing those pots and pans. Mrs. Badley? Yes, my poppet. Edith is dead. Don't you remember? Oh, yes, of course she is. I was forgetting. Memory like a veritable sieve. Now, my poppet, would you like a piece of plum pudding, seeing as how it's your favourite? You see, it had to be us. We both had the perfect motive. Mary and I have been having a bit of a fling, sir, if you'll pardon the expression. It's not a fling, Frederick. It's love. Oh, yeah. See, she caught us at it and was going to tell upstairs. Well, we'd both be sacked, sir. So you killed her together? Oh, no. It was only one of us. We just can't work out which one. Yes, I see. If I were you, I'd arrest both of us. Better to be safe than sorry. You both saw Edith as that much of a threat? Edith? Who's talking about Edith? We're talking about Mrs. Baddeley, the old sow in the kitchen. But Mrs. Baddeley isn't dead yet. Isn't she? No. Oh. Well, forget it then. We'd only kill Mrs. Baddeley. We wouldn't bother with Edith. Edith is nothing. Edith is nobody. But you do remember something, don't you? What is it you remember? Doctor, I haven't been murdered yet, have I? No, no, of course not. <sighs> well, that's a relief. I was just getting a bit ahead of myself. But I don't want a piece of plum pudding. Of course you do. It's your favourite. Don't you remember? I'm not sure. I remember... something. Let me cut you a slice. It is my favourite. And Christmas wouldn't be... It wouldn't be... Christmas without my plum pudding. You're quite right. There you are, my dear. Try not to chip your teeth on a threatening bit. I was always your favourite too, wasn't I? You were always my favourite. Do you know, Charlie, I only made the plum pudding for you. It was only for you. What are you doing to me? You remember, don't you, Charlie? Tell me you remember. I... I don't know. You were the only one who was nice to me. You were the only one who cared. They forgot me the moment I left the room. I was nothing to them. I was nobody. Oh, I'm feeling dizzy. What's in this plum pudding? Plums, my poppet. And a lot of love. You were my best friend, Charlie. You were my only friend. I was so horribly upset when you died. You'd been the only one who was kind and you were gone. You do understand, don't you? I don't understand anything. You will in time. Now that you're back. Back from the dead, like me. Oh, please, don't do that. It's the only carol I know. 
and I hum the bits where I don't know the words. I told you not to forget me. I told you to remember who I am. Edith? Is that you? Where are you? I told you to remember. And I did. You're Edith. Edith Thompson. The Doctor and I are trying to find out who killed you. Doesn't matter who killed me. Only why I had to die after all. What do you mean? You're alive. Why am I dead if you're still alive? There will be another death soon. No, Edith, wait! Edward Grove is alive. I am making Edward Grove alive. And there's nothing I can do to stop it. Please, stop it. What can I do? Who is Edward Grove? If you ever cared for me at all, put an end to this. piece of plum pudding? You certainly demolished that one. Mrs. Badley, your life is in the most terrible danger. Oh, I don't think that's very likely, Poppet. At the strike of 11, someone's going to kill you. You must listen to me. Who's going to hurt me? Especially on Christmas Eve, when I'm making plum pudding. A secret recipe handed down through my family. No one's going to hurt me making plum pudding, are they? Christmas wouldn't be Christmas. <gasps> oh, good Lord, what was that? There's been another death, Charlie. Frederick? I loved him so much. What will I do without him? Oh, dear Lord, Frederick! What happened, Doctor? That's just it, Charlie. I don't know. When the chimes struck, everything seemed to freeze, and when they finished, he was lying there as you see him now. What are those black marks on his body? They're tire marks. Oh, no! And from the condition of Frederick's body, I'd say he'd been knocked down by a car driving at great speed. <laughs> all the fuss about now. Frederick's dead. Oh, so I can see. Yes. I assume it was suicide, Doctor? Yes, I imagine so. It's quite clear that Frederick brought the car into the house, ran himself over with it, and put it back outside before he finally expired. Doctor! Most unfortunate. Still, I suppose we must count our blessings he was only the chauffeur. <laughs> His services were hardly going to be needed much in this inclement weather. <laughs> what are you crying about, Mary? Stop it at once. I can't help we were in love with each other. Nonsense. A chauffeur in love with a scullery maid. <laughs> the very idea. But wait, Edith was the scullery maid. Don't you remember? Edith? Who on earth is Edith? Am I only the scullery maid? Oh, oh, that's all right then. We couldn't have loved each other. I'm nothing after all. I'm nobody. Quite right, Mary. Back to your pots and pans. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. All of you. Back to work. There's nothing more can be done here now. Thank you, Doctor. Oh, you're very welcome, I'm sure. What was all that about? What do you mean, suicide? Well, they do seem to be very insistent that there's some sort of suicide going on here. Maybe they know something we don't. But it's preposterous. I think we've got this all back to front. It seems to me that this is a murder mystery where the murders themselves are the red herrings. Charlie, what is the point of murder? Well, I don't know. It's to get rid of someone, isn't it? But the victims here aren't got rid of, are they? they? They keep coming back. Why do they keep coming back, I wonder? Well, perhaps... Yes, Charlie, anything. Perhaps if you really enjoyed killing, 
You'd want to do it over and over again? Pure sadism, you mean. That's an interesting thought. And a worrying one. If there's some psychopath here who can rewind time. I can think of a more worrying one. Oh, dear. Can you? There's no pleasure taken in the killings here. The deaths are bizarre, grotesque, certainly, but there's no pain. They're alive one moment, the clock strike, and they're found dead without suffering. And that worries you more? Oh, of course. I understand psychopaths. Two for a penny, they are. I just can't understand what these killings are for. If it's sadism, why does it only happen on the hour, for example? Well, perhaps the sadism is directed against the people left alive. The killer watches as they get frightened, wondering who's going to die next. But that's just it. They even have an inkling they're about to die. Frederick told me so himself, but no one here is frightened at all. I'm frightened. Oh, yes, Charlie, so am I. Are you? Very. The bodies are piling up, Charlie, but I don't think they're going to provide us with any answers. What about Edith? She's died twice as much as anyone else. I don't know. It could be that she's just twice as unlucky. Then why do I keep on seeing her? She tells me to remember her, that everyone else will forget her. And they do, don't they, Doctor? Why are they doing that to her? Charlie? She's trying to make me remember, Doctor. She's trying to make me remember something. It's as if she's pulling me into her memories. What is it, Charlie? What's wrong? I don't know, Doctor. It's as if there's some force here trying to fit me into this household, trying to make me belong. Whatever it is, it's wanting to incorporate us into its little world, trying to rationalize us, make us safe. Well, we won't be safe, whatever you are. We'll resist, won't we, Charlie? Just as we always resist the monsters. It's getting so I don't know what memories are mine and which ones have been given to me. Edith is my friend. I owe her, Doctor. She told me not to forget her, and I mustn't. Charlie, where are you going? In the scullery. Her name is written in the dust. If it's still there, it's evidence she existed, in spite of what everyone else thinks. Charlie, it's 1906. It's six years before you were even born. Whatever false memories you are being given, you owe this Edith nothing. Please come back. I made her a promise, Doctor. I shan't forget her. Charlie! Enough of this, Shamrat. I refuse to play this game any longer. Not until I'm at least told the rules and get a chance to see the question master first. Come out of hiding. You can kill everyone here. I refuse to investigate any further. Very well. I know a way to bring you into the open. Oh, let me see. Oh, no! The signature is gone! No trace of Edith Thompson! You've forgotten me, Charlie. I want to remember you, but I don't know who you are. You're just like all the others. I should never have died for you. Please! I don't know what you mean. Well, do you want to remember me? Do you want to remember exactly who I am? Yes, yes I do! You will remember nothing but me. There are words appearing on the table. Not in the dust, but scratched into the woodwork. Edward Grove is alive. Edward Grove is alive. Together, my poppy, we make him so. Can you hear me? I know you can. I'm going to go upstairs now. If you want to stop me, you're going to have to show yourself. Right. There, that's the first step. There are only another eight, nine, nine to go, and I know you want to stop me, don't you? That's step four. I'd hurry up if I were you. I could be upstairs and through the door in a matter of seconds. And then where would you be, hmm? 
Where would I be for that matter? Oh, for heaven's sake. Not go upstairs, Doctor. It is not allowed. Ah, there you are, Shaughnessy. With your gun, I see. You took your time. My apologies, sir. I am not as young as I used to be. No, well, who is? You will come back down the steps, Doctor, or I will be forced to shoot you. Oh, certainly, sir. I have no interest in going upstairs anyway. Just a lot of void and blackness, I'll be bound. Been there, seen that. No interest in it. I just wanted to draw you out into the open so we could talk face to face. I am not the murderer, Doctor. No, no, of course, I know that. A nice, well-bred butler like you going around killing people, what nonsense. Besides, who ever heard of the butler doing it? I dare say that you haven't even the faintest idea why you're pointing a gun at me, have you? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I I'd better put it away. Oh, no, 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 no sudden moves, Shaughnessy. I don't think we should surprise whatever force made you threaten me with it. Keep the gun pointing at me, there's a good chap, so he doesn't get nervous. I knew that if I did something to frighten it, like trying to go upstairs, it would be forced to use one of you to take direct action against me. Please, Doctor. What's happening? Why do I feel that I'm losing control? I should never lose control. I'm a butler. My father was a butler. I come from a whole family of butlers. I am a modicum of self-restraint. Keep the gun pointing at me, that's the idea. The consequence of a time loop, Shaughnessy. You're going round and round in circles so often, it's dulled everyone here to a state of hypnosis. Which I'm sure is ideal for the force at work to manipulate how it wills. What force is it, Doctor? What is killing my staff over and over again? Whoever is responsible for this is feeding off remarks that Charlie and I have made to each other. Chance comments about amateur sleuths. Chance accidents like the breaking of a jam jar. Somebody here witnessed all that and incorporated them into the time loop. But who was it? Who was it who was with you? You know what Edward Grove is, don't you, Shaughnessy? Of course, Doctor. This is Edward Grove. Number 22, Edward Grove. It's as I thought. The only witness to all that has been going on here is the house itself. Edward Grove is the killer. And we are standing within his belly. You're scrubbing those pots and pans very well, Mary. Thank you, sir. Put them aside for a moment. And pick up the poker there. And help me kill the doctor. Chopping vegetables, I see, Mrs. Baddeley. Mmm. Those carrots look almost good enough to eat. Come Christmas morning, it'll be a veritable banquet, sir. I'm sure it will. Leave your carrots, but take the knife and help me kill the doctor. It could only have been the house, although I do wonder what pleasure it can possibly take in all this. I'm sorry, sir, but I'm getting an irresistible urge to shoot you in the head. Well, stiff upper lip and all that. What's the problem, Edward? Getting a bit too close to the truth for you? We've come to kill the doctor. We've come to kill the doctor. Instructions from his lordship? That's right. You're all prepared to take orders from a pile of bricks and wood? Our master is his lordship. Our mistress is her ladyship. And to them, we are nothing and nobody. Really? And what do they look like, these masters of yours? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. We don't discuss them. It's not our place. Poppycock, if you've seen them, you know what they look like. Are they old, young, short, tall? We will kill you, Doctor. Oh, I don't think so. All the deaths here occur only on the hour, exactly as the chimes strike. I don't think you'll be able to break that. Not an efficient little household like you. Are you prepared to gamble your life on that, Doctor? I've gambled it on much worse. You can't hurt me, Edward Grove. Not until the chimes strike. Then time shall speed up, Doctor. 
and you can all answer my question first. What do they look like, the people you serve? Old, young, short, tall, fat, Stop thin? it, Doctor! Stop it! You are not nothing. You are worth more than a heap of architecture. If they're human, describe your masters. Short, tall, fat, thin, with glasses, without, bearded, clean-shaven. Or else your servants with no one to serve. I'm pretty sure her ladyship doesn't have a beard. Your master has no rights over you. Acknowledge it and set yourselves free. Of course we have a human master. Then prove it. Where is he? Here is his daughter. Now. Oh, there you are, everyone. Are you all looking forward to Christmas Day? Oh, yes, Miss Pollard. Charlie? Who is this man, Shaughnessy? This is the doctor, miss. Oh, yes, of course. The famous amateur sleuth. Charlie, don't you know me? No doubt you're here for our Christmas party, Doctor. It starts at the chimes of midnight. No, miss. On the chimes of midnight, we're going to kill him. Oh, I see. That would explain the gun and the knife and the... Oh, what's that, Mary? Poker, miss. Poker, yes. Isn't that a little extreme? Orders from his lordship, miss. We don't question. Oh, nor would I. We must know our place. Well, carry on. Charlie, please. Remember who you are. You are Charlie Pollard. Well, of course I'm Charlie Pollard. Is it nearly midnight, Shaughnessy? Yes, miss. 11.50. 51. 52. Listen to me, all of you. You must have your own will. Find it. 58. 59. Kill him. Midnight. I think we're going back to the beginning. Oh, Doctor, I'm sorry. I knew you, and yet I didn't know you. It was making me part of it all. I was right. It seems to lose control on the hour. It can speed up time, it can influence it, but it can't control its effects. Maybe Edward Grove is as much of a victim of this as we all are. What can we do? Keep our wits about us, Charlie, and expect anything. Back in the the scullery again. With Edith's body lying dead on the floor. What's happening in here? It's a scullery, mate. She's been bludgeoned to death with a broom handle. Suicide, of course. Oh, my goodness, that such a thing could happen in my kitchens. Except we don't have a scullery maid. That's right. I've never even heard the name Edith Thompson. And if we had done, we wouldn't care anyway. Seeing as she's only the scullery maid. Nothing. Nobody. What do we do, sir? About the doctor and Miss Pollard? Nothing at all. They've nothing to investigate. Our master will take care of them in his own good time. And they no longer even know Edith at all. I think you're right, Charlie. Edith must be the key to this. And Edward Grove is using her death somehow. What's going on, Doctor? Who is Edward Grove? It's the house, Charlie. The house is alive and it's feeding. Feeding? Feeding on what? On all the death here, on all the life. What we say and do, what those poor servants out there say and do, it's absorbing us both into a little murder mystery that's going round and round. It has a role for you, and you're finding it harder to resist it. And I'm sure in time, I'll be sucked into my role, too. It's just a house. Some people have theories about ghosts, that a house itself absorbs the history of the actions within it, and that a, an event traumatic enough can actually be preserved to posterity. Yes, I've heard that. Can you imagine what would happen if a house was given nothing but traumatic events? That it was stuck in a time loop going backwards and forwards forever, each time playing the same trauma, each time playing the same brutal act of violence. What would that do to a house? It's becoming alive, isn't it, Doctor? Just as Edith said. In some form. It's storing up all the energy of that violence. It's feasting on it. 
And every time it replays a death, it becomes more and more sentient. Edward Grove is alive. But if that's true, then the house cannot be the cause of it. It's been given life by whatever paradox started the time loop. If we could only find out the trigger for all of this. Charlie, I want us to get out of here. I want us to go to the TARDIS and get out of here. You want us to run away? But we never do that. If we don't leave and leave now, we'll be trapped here for all eternity. Doctor, you're not thinking of leaving us. Yes. And taking Miss Pollard with you. Is that true, my poppet? But I have so much plum pudding to feed you. Oh, keep away from me. Don't you want to solve our little mystery? I have solved it. This place is a trap going round and round forever. Oh, that's not the half of it. And what will happen to us, Doctor? Will we be going round and round and round and round? And round forever. When you escape, Doctor, won't you take us with you? I'm sorry, I can't. You are part of the trap. You are the time loop. I'm sorry. So you think we are nothing after all? We are nobody. Open the larder door, Charlie, and get into the TARDIS. The house will do whatever it can to stop us leaving. Yes, Doctor. Oh, no, Doctor. You've already demonstrated that Edward Grove cannot harm you except on the hour. Now, if you will go, then go. I'm sorry. Just go. people will they really be going round in circles forever i don't know charlie i think so yes there was nothing we could do was there no if we took any part of the paradox with us we'd be as stuck as they were like flies caught in amber you already felt the power of the house drawing you into its feeding cycle are you all right no let's just get as far away from that place as possible doctor do you hear something no charlie what is it the grandfather clock. It's the ticking of that clock. That's impossible. Doctor! Not now, Charlie. The thing from the scullery. It's appearing out of thin air. The whole room. The console. Where has it gone? The house is absorbing it. Doctor, what's happening? Doctor! I was wrong to think we could escape the house. Instead, we've taken the house with us. Instead, we've taken the house with us. 
The scullery has completely reformed around us. Well, the entire house, I imagine. But where's the TARDIS? Where has the TARDIS gone? I think we're still in her. But just as Edward Grove seemed determined to fit both of us within its blinkered world view, so it sees the TARDIS as nothing more than an extension of itself. In that case, if we're still within the TARDIS, what's the TARDIS doing standing in the larder? Oh, it's even worse than I feared. I thought we were caught simply in a temporal loop, not a spatial one as well. Come on, Doctor. Let's get back inside and take off again. We can't, Charlie. It's not going to work. It's worth a try, surely. I'm going to open the TARDIS door and... Oh, no. What have you found? Inside the TARDIS. It's another scullery, just the same as this one. It is the same as this one, Charlie. I'm prepared to bet that if you went in there and opened the larder door, you'd find another TARDIS standing there with another scullery inside that one. But how can that be? It's another effect of the time loop. I'd imagine that the scullery through there is in the future. Not by much, just by the merest nanosecond. We're looking at infinity, Charlie. Infinite time and space. Reduced to the dimensions of a few rooms in a cold Edwardian house on Christmas Eve. What do we do? How can we escape? How do you escape infinity? All time and space compressed into one paradox. We've arrived in the TARDIS. We haven't yet arrived at all. We're in the process of arriving. We've become like the poor people in this house, going round and round forever. They've never died before, and at the same time, they've been dying every hour as the clock chimes forever. Because there is no time here, do you understand? This is the past, this is the present, this is the future, looping around, as it always has been looping around, stuck in a rut since the beginning of time. Doctor. And we have been here forever too, Charlie. Soon this is all we'll know, because soon this is the only place we'll have ever been. This is our past and our destiny, the beginning and end of our travels, all rolled into one. We live for two short hours, or we live forever, whichever way you want to look at it. You can't give up, Doctor. I can't believe there isn't a way out of this. You said if we could find the cause of the paradox... Charlie, I'm so sorry, Charlie. The paradox is us. It's us. We're already here, and there's nothing we can do about it. Ah, Doctor, Miss Pollard. We thought you had escaped from here. Is there any escape? Oh, no, my little poppets. Once you're in service at Edward Grove, you're in service for life. For life and beyond. And yet you were worried we might escape, weren't you, just for a second? Doctor, our master wishes to speak with you. Oh, really? What a pity I can't talk cement. Will his lordship be wanting me to go upstairs? You're to be honoured. He's coming down to meet you. We're all honoured. Charlie, my poppet, our master doesn't need to speak to you. Oh. I'm not sure if I'm flattered or insulted. So you may leave us. Doctor, I... No, no. Where has she gone? What have you done with her? Don't worry, Doctor. Mr. Grove has other duties for her to perform. If you have harmed her in any way... What will you do, Doctor? You can hardly kill us or just come back to life again. Don't distress yourself, Doctor. Mr. Grove is most adamant that Miss Pollard be kept safe and well. She is the means of his birth, after all. She is? And if he has harmed her, inadvertently like, I'm sure she'll get put back together eventually. Things have a habit of doing that in this house. You all seem so much more aware of what is going on here. Our master is growing in strength, Doctor. And no longer needs secrets kept from his good and trusted servants. Edward Grove is alive, and soon he'll be the alivest of us all. And when will he be here? As the clock strikes eleven. I shall check my watch. 1053, 10.54, 10.55. Well, he's certainly in a hurry, isn't he? He's coming. Everybody, bow down to his lordship. Good day, Mr. Grove. Good day, Good day Mr. Mr. Grove.
Edward Grove, I presume. You presume correctly. And you're alive, I gather. Well done. I am. You must find the lack of limbs a bit of an irritation, let alone the absence of mouth or vocal cords, though I assume this is why you're having to use those which rightfully belong to Mr. Shaughnessy here. Just for the moment. It is good to meet you at last. I've been dying to do so ever since I first felt you rummaging about in my body. Please, won't you be seated? my puppet. Here I am. I needed to speak to you, my puppet. I need your help. Please, where are you? Don't leave me here alone in the dark. I don't show my face, Charlie. What if you don't remember me? You say you'll remember me, but what if you don't? What do you mean? What would have been the point? All that blood, all that pain. If you'd never really cared for me in the first place. Edith, you want my help, you said. I need your help. I'll help you, but you must show yourself to me. You promise you'll help me? I promise. You are a good and kind girl. You always were. Well, do you know me? Yes. You're the cook. You're the cook in my father's family house in Hampshire. You do remember. Oh, my child. But that was in 1930. It's 1906 now. What are you doing here? Well, long before I became a cook, I worked as a scullery maid. That's the Edith you have seen. But you died. You died in 1906. I saw you. I've died many times, Charlie. Times without number. I didn't recognize you. Even being so much younger than when I knew you, I, I should have recognized you. Oh, my puppet. You're 19 years old. By the time I was 19, I'd already been in service five years and looked closer to 30. Looks fade faster when you're below stairs. Time moves quicker for the likes of us. Then you made me plum pudding. Lots of plum pudding. Always your favourite, that was. I made it just for you. Only for you. You were the only one who ever showed me kindness, Charlie. The only one. What do you want, Edith? I need to know. Am I alive? Or am I dead? Why do you ask me? Because I died for you, my puppet. You're the only one I died for. The only one. What is that? Just the chiming of the clock, Doctor. I have slowed down time so that I can speak with you. Of course, the only moments of influence you have are when the clock chimes, aren't they? I derive my power from the time loop, as you call it. I can speed it up, I can slow it down, but I can only feel fully alive when I can hear the time pass with the chiming of the clock. And that's why you could only kill on the hour, and why Charlie and I were only allowed to enter the house properly when the clock struck. Quite so. Mary, would you fetch the doctor a cup of tea? Certainly, sir. Presumably, if you can impose your will on them, you needn't ask. True. But there's so much more piquancy in having servants than slaves. Oh, I'm sure. The tea always tastes better when it's made by free will, doesn't it? What a pity you don't have a mouth to drink it with. It is a pity, I admit. But it's nice to have tea made for me, just the same. What you are doing is obscene. 
You're just an enormous parasite feeding off the lives and hopes of these poor people. They don't have any lives or hopes, Doctor. They're just the working staff. You're using their deaths just to sustain your own pointless life. But they never really die, Doctor. Not really. We always come back at the chimes of midnight. We always come back. I wouldn't hurt them, Doctor. Their deaths are never cruel. They may never really die, but trapped here, going round in little circles, they never really live either. Surely you can see that. But we never really lived anyway. Not as the working staff. Our lives already going round in little circles. We are nothing. We are nobody. You can't really believe that. What would their lives have ever amounted to, Doctor? It's the people upstairs who make the decisions which affect the world. It's the people upstairs who make a difference. You can't know that for sure. Their masters upstairs would have used up their lives for their own ends, just as I do. But I do it a little more honestly, perhaps. And you are prepared to condemn them all to die a million sham deaths, not even real deaths, just parodies of death, so that you have a chance of life? Quite so. Ah, the kettle's boiled. Do you take milk and sugar, Doctor? I don't care. I don't know how to serve your tea unless you tell me, Doctor. It's not my place to make decisions like that on my own. Just a spot of milk for the Doctor, Mary. Leave the sugar, and he can add it to taste. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And what will you do with your life? What do you mean? When the only life you can have is going round in tiny circles. What good is it to you? I don't want my tea, thank you. Oh, Doctor, you've broken my best china. It doesn't matter, because at midnight it'll come back together again. None of it matters because nothing you do can have the slightest consequence. Each action you take wiped out without the slightest effect. So what is the point in your life at all? What will you do with it? Nothing. Why should I want to do anything? I'm the cook. I make plum pudding. I'm the maid. I clean and scrub. I'm the chauffeur who drives a car. And I'm the house who watches over them all. And you would go so far for something so petty. There's nothing petty about life, Doctor. Just to breathe, to feel, to exist. Edward Grove is alive. That's enough for me. You say I was the only one. You were the only one who ever cared a fig for me. It didn't matter which house I worked in, it was always the same. Those upstairs, those downstairs, they despised me just the same. I was only the scullery maid. I was the woman who cleaned the floors when I was young and chopped the vegetables when I was old. But you think I was different? You made my life worthwhile, didn't you, my puppet? I didn't think we spoke very often. Oh, we didn't, but when you did, you remembered my name. And when you didn't want to speak, you'd smile at me. You always smiled at me, didn't you, my puppet? You were my best friend. You were my only friend. Look to your work. I want those pots cleaned and the dust cleared. Wherever I worked, the butlers would always bully me. What is it I always tell you, Edith? I'm nothing, sir. I'm nobody. The rest of the house were never any better. Well, Edith was a very stupid girl. She may not have known it was impossible when she did it. What they say behind my back. I was stupid, but I wasn't that stupid. You couldn't love Edith, could you? No one could love somebody quite that dense. As the years went by, I could never even find love. Oh, sometimes I thought I had, but it wasn't love they were after. I was mistaken. You do see I couldn't love you, don't you, Edith? Oh, of course. I'm a scullery maid. I'm nothing. Nothing.
told. You are nobody. That's right. You had an affair with Frederick? No, not him. Another chauffeur in 1926. He seduced me in the back of his Chrysler, then pretended it had never happened. A chauffeur? You love a discovery, mate. But it's Frederick's voice I can hear. They all merge into one, my poppet. All the bullying butlers, all the chauffeurs, the cooks. Just as to all them, I was only the scullery maid. Just the scullery maid. This house, Edward Grove, it's playing out your entire life. That's what we're seeing being looped, isn't it? Bits of your life all thrown together at random. Edward Grove is alive, and we are making him so. He is feeding off our lives, Charlie. And the death, too? What happened, Edith? Why does it keep replaying death over and over again? What happened to you? Edith? I died for you, Charlie. I died for you because you were the only one worth dying for. No, please. When you died, I knew there was nothing left to live for. But you came back. You came back from the dead. You're alive, my poppet. So what was my sacrifice for? Can I offer you another cup of tea, Doctor? Since you finished your last so abruptly. No. Mary is on hand, itching to pour you another. How about a piece of plum pudding? Mrs. Baddeley would be only too happy to rustle you up a piece. I certainly would, sir. You're being very civil to me. Quite the perfect gentleman, in fact. Thank you. It's in the breeding. Especially considering you wanted me dead earlier. You must forgive me for that. I was only a child then, tasting life for the first time. I did not know what I know now. And what's that? You and Miss Pollard are the bringers of life to me, Doctor. In a way, I look on you as my parents. You mean we're the ones who created the time paradox? How did we do it? Is there anything the servants can get you, Doctor? It is such fun giving them little chores to do. No, thank you. Very well. You may leave, all of you, and return to your duties. I shall chime if I need anything. Very good, sir. Yes, yes sir. No doubt I'll need another death at some point when I'm feeling hungry. I'll let you know which one of you I'll choose near the time. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. You do need death, don't you? The focus of your energy, the incident which caused the time loop. It was a death, wasn't it? A real death. Not one of those fakes that you show. I show the echoes of death. Everything here is an echo of it. The life before her death. The despair which drove her to it. It's Edith, isn't it? Edith Thompson. Edith Thompson, who killed herself in 1930. She committed suicide, of course she did. Everyone was so certain she had. I can still feel the fear and the pain of that death over and over again, like warm blood pumping through my veins. But if she died in 1930, why is the time loop here in 1906? Because this is when you arrived, Doctor. And as soon as you did so, the reason for her death over 20 years later becomes impossible. And yet she does die in 1930. It's already happened. She didn't even die in Edward Groove, did she? 
It's the paradox which happens here. It isn't her death which has given me life. It's her dying and yet not dying. Her being alive and dead at the same moment. Thanks to you, Father. Thanks to you. It has made me alive. It has made me dead. It wasn't until early November that they told us you were dead. I remember it was November. The weather had turned cold and wet. There was always muddy footprints to scrub from the kitchen floor. When you ran away from us, no one knew where you'd gone. But they told us you'd been in some big airship which had crashed a world away. In France. The R101. But I was rescued by the doctor. They found your diary in the wreckage. They brought it home. The house was in mourning. But I wasn't allowed to mourn. Me, you had been your best friend. When you'd been the only person who had ever been kind to me. When I loved you so much, they didn't let me mourn. I wasn't allowed to care that you had gone forever. Not even when I'd loved you the most of all of them. Edith, the little kindness I showed you, if I even did, I didn't deserve your love. I'm not worth all this. Christmas in the house wasn't the same. No one wanted my plum pudding that year, which is just as well because I didn't want to make it. I only ever made it for you. It was only for you, my poppet. And they all forgot me. Everybody forgot me, as they always did. And on Christmas Eve, late at night, I came down to the kitchen, all by myself, and picked up a carving knife. No. I didn't want to live. Not if you weren't alive. Not if my only friend was dead. That scream we always heard, it was you. It took me a long time to die. I did it eventually. I died in the end. Just like you. Just like my Charlie. What do you want of me? I want you to die, if you're meant to be dead. Or I want you to live, if you're meant to be alive. But I want one or the other, so that I know whether I'm dead or alive. So that I know whether I slice my wrists open that Christmas Eve in 1930 or not. Edward, listen. Some freak phenomenon has made you sentient. An accident, one chance in several billion. Over a single two hours stretched backwards and forwards throughout eternity, you have evolved and learned to think and reason. It is an astonishing achievement. It is astonishing, but it's not an achievement. You haven't achieved anything. I have achieved life. No, I'm sorry, I really am. You talk of blood in your veins, you talk of breathing, of feeling, but you have no veins. You have nothing to feel with. You're intelligent, you're emotional, and you're dangerous too, very probably, but it's not life. You are wrong, Doctor. Think about it. Even now, you only get a grasp on anything which even resembles life at the times that the chimes strike. The sixth chime. Time is marching on. You can't hold it back forever. What are you going to do? What do you advise, Doctor? Give up this impossible dream of living. I can only communicate with you now through Shaughnessy, through another living being, independent of you, more deserving than you of life, because he already has it. I know. I know I can only be a fraction of the simplest of my servants. They will always be more than me. So let them go, Edward. Let them live their lives, however empty you may think them, however meaningless they seem even to them. You have learned intelligence. Let's see if you have learned compassion as well. You are asking me to commit suicide. I am. I'm sorry. Well, my poppet. Well, my Charlie, are we alive? 
Or did we die? I can feel... fire burning hot on my face, then rushing at me. No, what are you doing to me? You've got to know. I've got to know. Everyone has a right to know whether they're alive or dead. People screaming, wood snapping, breaking, the ground rushing ever closer. I knew I was dead. I knew it had all gone wrong, that I was dead. Put an end to this doubt. Know for sure whether we live or die. Oh, dear God, I'm dead. I can feel it now. Sick certainty as I realise I have seconds to live, that there's no escape. Dear God, dear God, I'm dead. And the doctor? Who is the doctor? I have tasted life, Doctor. How can I let go of it now? You exist only as a spark, Edward. Only as the very germ of life for a few seconds. Can you honestly say that those scant moments are worth all the years that this household would enjoy? I was trying to extend those seconds of influence, Doctor. To learn in time how I could exist for the entire two hours. I see that I was wrong. That's good. You have shown me that instead, I could simply loop those few seconds back on themselves. As the chimes stop ringing, they will start again, forever and ever. Now that wasn't what I meant at all. I would crush the whole of my existence into one single eternal moment. If in that moment, I can truly say I'm alive. And crush out the lives of everyone here in the process. Nonsense. I shall make them immortal! I can't let you do that. You haven't got the power to stop me, Doctor. If I can just stop Edith killing us. You cannot reach her. She is where the dead go before the loop begins again. And even now, your friend Charlie is living out those moments, which will ensure the paradox is made. I can reach her. If I become your next murder victim... Every hour you kill someone, Edward, and it's still 11 o'clock. The chimes haven't yet finished ringing. We must put an end to this, you and I. We must both use this knife. We're not alive. We should not pretend. We're dead. Yes. You die first, then I shall die. That's the way it's meant to be. Clear and simple. Take the knife, my poppet. It'll be over in a moment. And then we shall both have peace. I'm hardly likely to kill you, Doctor. Oh, I think you might. Shaughnessy, are you still in there? Yes, sir. I am a gentleman, aren't I? And your orders are to obey me without question. Oh, no! I want you to put your hands around my throat and throttle the life out of me. Sir? Come on, man. Chop, chop. What are you waiting for? Christmas? No! Leave the Doctor alive! I can't help it. I can't resist a direct order from a gentleman. I shall defeat you, Edward Grove. No, Doctor. I will enjoy my few seconds of eternal life. Next time I have my power at the chimes of midnight, I shall loop back time and you shall live within my living body forever. Be brave, my poppet, and set us all free. Stop! Here, but not here, Charlie. Is that you? I can barely see you, can't reach you. 
What are you doing? Talk me through it. Explain it to me. I'm putting things to rights. I'm putting an end to this. No, Charlie, you mustn't listen to me. It's the Doctor. Don't you remember me? But I don't know the Doctor. He never rescued me. Of course you know me, Charlie. Please, listen to me. But I'm dead. Why didn't you rescue me? How can I be dead and alive at the same time? Are you dead, my puppet? Or are you alive? I don't know! Am I dead or am I alive? You must know. You must decide. Charlie, please, you didn't die. Right or wrong, we changed history. We changed all that. Whatever the consequences, we chose life. And that's what you must do now, Charlie. Help me, I'm so scared. You must choose life. You must choose life now. Listen to my voice, Charlie. Can you hear my voice? I can hear people screaming. I can hear fire burning. Choose, Charlie. Make your choice. My voice, Charlie. Focus on my voice. It's the doctor. It's the doctor. I don't remember you. Charlie, I need you. Without you, we'd never have broken the curse upon Count Orsino. Without you, the Cyanobots would still be ruling Earth. Without you, I'd never have found that first edition of Oliver Twist in Charing Cross Road. And without you, I would just be a lonely old man, rattling around in the TARDIS with no one to talk to. My life going round and round without meaning. My life going round in circles. I remember... the TARDIS. And you need me. Without me, you would never tread upon the beaches of alien worlds, or marvel at the eclipse of new suns, the birth of new stars. You've seen the universe, Charlie, and you have made a difference to us. But I see the flames, I hear the screams! No longer, Charlie, you must remember me! You must remember the Doctor! I remember... the Doctor! I choose to live! Edith, I choose to live. If you're alive, does that mean I can stay alive too? Of course. Please, Edith, choose to live as well. And what of me? I'm never going to see the universe. I'm never going to make a difference. Edith, please, put down the knife. Doctor, stop her. Edith. I'm just a scullery maid. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. What's happening? It's Edward Crowe, racing time on towards midnight, then he can trap us here forever. Goodbye, Charlie. Edith, don't do it. Die and the time loop will go on. Die and you'll be dying forever. I need you to die, Edith. Kill yourself now! Obey your master. You'll never be anything. Don't listen to them, Edith. Who could love a scullery? Who could care for you? Will you remember me, Charlie? Of course I'll remember you. You'll think of me on your alien worlds. You'll think of Edith. I promise. Then I'll still make a difference, won't I? I'll still make a difference. You are nothing. You are nobody. No! I will not kill myself. However bad it might be, however lonely I might get, I choose to live. No! everything gone? The time loop has been broken. The house has been expelled from the TARDIS. What does that mean? 
Does that mean everything is all right? I imagine we're about to find out. Herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on God and singers reconciled. What Do is I... all this noise? I'm sorry, sir. I didn't hear you come in. I should think you didn't, Edith. Not with all that caterwauling. Are you still scrubbing the pots and pans? Look, get a move on, girl. It's nearly midnight. Edith, what was that? I'm sure I don't know, sir. I think it came from the larder. Oh, yes, Charlie, here we are back again. Now, let's wait and see, shall we? Ah, uh, excuse me, sir. Do you mind if I ask who you are? Not at all, not at all. I'm the doctor, and this is my niece, Miss Pollard. We're guests of his lordship, and what was I again, Charlie? He's an inspector from Scotland Yard, and we've been inspecting your larder. That's right. His lordship was uh, telling us what a fine larder he has, and, and he wasn't exaggerating. It's absolutely splendid. Do pass my compliments on to your scullery maid. I know she has a great future ahead of her. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, pass them on, then. Uh, well done, Edith. You are a fine scullery maid. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm quite overcome. Midnight, I presume. Christmas Day at last. We made it. Come on, Charlie, let's get out of here. Merry Christmas to you both. Oh, won't you be joining his lordship in celebration upstairs, sir? Uh, no, I don't think so. I love Christmas, but I always find the anticipation better than the actual thing. Oh, and Edith, remember, you are not nothing. You are not nobody. You are Edith Thompson. Be proud of that. Yes, miss. Thank you, miss. I, I will remember. Come on, Charlie. Tell me we're leaving. Doctor. What is it, Charlie? I can still remember. I still remember the flames, the screams. I still remember. Yes. I can still remember dying. Doctor. Doctor, what does it mean? I think... Well, you, you see... No, no, not now. Come on, Charlie, let's get away from here. But when? I have to know. Soon, I promise. Now, in. Quickly. I am Edith Thompson. I am somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs>